I'm actually about to invest in that AMC Stubbs thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I'm going to start going to the movies a lot more. Mm-hmm. So might as well go ahead and pay that $20 a month and then go see movies for free, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say that's not a bad deal. I think uh, the local theaters here have some type of similar deal that we looked into at one point. So they're not, they're something other than Regal and AMC? Yes. I said we have wow. neither one of those here, actually. Really? Yeah. That's okay. Like, remember, like, I want to say on our first times hanging out as a group, we went to the movie theater downtown. My first time going to the movies in Knoxville, and it was like, Regal. Yeah, we did go to the movies. And Regal's like, before I, uh, like, my whole life, it was just basically Regal's. And then AMC just started, like, infiltrating the South, really, recently, like, within the last 10 years. I'd never heard of it because Memphis just has Malco theaters. That's very interesting. Okay. We can go ahead and get started. That's okay. And welcome back to, um, you ready? What? What is that? Are you, are you ready? Shit. You're not ready. Okay, just let me know when you're ready. I was. Then Amber started tidying, and I turned around because I didn't hear her tidying because I got my headphones on and knocked down my... Oh, no! Going to work on when he falls. Uh-oh, you're not, far, you're not close enough. Sorry, young boy. I'm going to have to knock this down. And welcome back to another episode of the In My Bag podcast. As always, I am your host, Alex, and joined by Kenny. Kenny, what's going on? Yo, nothing much, you know, just uh, coming off watching a little NFL draft wrap-up, getting ready to hit the road once again this weekend, and, you know, just putting some takes down with my man. You never told me, you never told me where you're going. Florida. The good old panhandle of the United States of America. Why? Because beach action, weather's nice. Um, Amber's mom has never been okay. to the beach before, so okay. she's taking her for the first time, and I'm just kind of tagging along. All right. Well, I hope you, I hope you enjoy that vacation, that little yeah, mini vacation. A- it is currently, yeah, it's like 50 ish and raining right now in nashville so i know the beach sounds pretty nice it was raining for the most part here i think that was what's probably pushed towards you guys yeah for sure for sure um let us go ahead and get into the pod so today we're going to do um a different take on overrated underrated we're actually going to 
assign NBA players that the the tag of overrated and underrated. Uh, we're going to talk about NBA playoffs, obviously going on right now. The NFL draft, um, as we're recording this, it is the night of the first round. So we're going to give our two cents about what went on tonight in the draft, which is in Nashville, that I did not get tickets to because all of my friends that work for the NFL suck. <laughs> and um, and lastly, we're going to jump into the first two weeks of Game of Thrones and give our takes. Uh. But as always, we are going to start with underrated and overrated. And so... Which do you want to start with first? Underrated or overrated, Kenny? Um, do, 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 do. Let's lead off with the underdog. So you got underrated in the NFL. I mean, NBA, I'm sorry. In the NBA? Um, I'm going to go first. Are we going to do Are we gonna do one and one or both? We, we have two ready, right? Uh, I have one ready. Was it two and two? You have one? I have one and one. Okay. So I have two and two. So I'll do one, and then you do one, and I do one, and then we can just all right lay it down. Um, so my first is first, un- yeah, my first uh, underrated is Lou Williams. Oh, okay. Um, just the OG sixth man. Um, been on numerous teams, coming off the bench. Um, he and Jamal Crawford are two guys that make it happen by any means. I love Lou Williams. He was a Laker for a little bit. I was really sad to see him go. Ultimately, it didn't really equate to value when we got rid of him, but um, contractually, it was kind of necessary. Um, and also, I want us to consider him for our NBA all-time draft late, later on in the late rounds. I know, um, actually, we uh, spoke about this off-pod. Uh, I mentioned someone else that I will be on my list, but I also want us to consider Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford, some of those guys that are just lightning lightning in a bottle off the bench that can, you know, be a catalyst for our second team. I ain't mad about it. Um, my underrated player is going to be one Blake Griffin, who, you know, sadly enough, because he's just kind of doing it at a time where other guys are having their best seasons and being historic with it. He's very quietly having one of, if not the best overall season of his career, uh, putting up around, uh, I want to say nearly 25 points, uh, about seven rebounds, close to six assists, probably his best, you know, overall performance season. Never really been much of a double-digit rebounder outside of his first couple of years mainly from having, you know, rebound-dominant big man next to him inside with DeAndre Jordan and Andre Drummond. You know, being able to put up those type of numbers as a power forward is really impressive. It just kind of... I agree. It, it I just love sucks that, you know, he's got Harden putting up 36 a night and Giannis looking absolutely unstoppable. Paul George having his best season and just looking better. and It hurts a little bit that your best doesn't get recognized sometimes. So I want to give a shout out to somebody who's performing at their peak right now. Yeah, that's a, it's nice of you to go ahead and give him that distinction. Um, it's really hard to 
to label someone as good as Blake Griffin underrated, but yeah, the way you framed it up, it's yeah, that's perfect. My guy is also someone who kind of gets pushed to the back burner because of the other players in his position. Damian Lillard, Dame Dollar. Um, this man is everything I would like to see Russell Westbrook be. Um, he hasn't had a ton of playoff success, but this might change this year. The thing I love about Dame is like he's – if you asked him, he'd probably say that he's like the best guard in the league uh, and, and look at you stupid for like questioning him about it. Such a dynamic scorer in a conference with so many guards that are big names like Steph and Westbrook. He kind of gets forgotten, but when, when the game's on the line, man, you put that ball in his hands and he'll pull it up from half court. Unfortunately, you know, it's the – it's the small market woes. Tell me you saw that, though. And no, I didn't see the shot live, but I did see probably one of the yeah. best edits of the shot wherein somebody had transformed it into a 2K shot with Dame Lillard having the uh, excellent release. A lot of detail put into it, too. I mean, they had the um, they had the little stat box up in the corner name underneath you know the excellent release in green perfect font like a lot of hard work put into that yeah so it was very it's a very weird situation how i saw it so i was watching the game live with my dad um decided to move it from the tv to my computer and turn on netflix so i was watching netflix and then kind of like you know looking back over the game kind of dozed off and then I woke up and I looked at the computer. I was like, man, this game is still on. And it was like 90 seconds left. And that was when they were trading buckets back and forth. So I was like, okay, I'll watch this last 90 seconds. And then then he got the ball with like eight seconds left, dribbled it down the court. And I was like, what is he doing? He's not going fast enough. He was just putting Paul George to sleep, hit that step back, knocked it down. It was crazy. I'm so glad I saw, I saw that live. I have been there for those moments where it just seems like you kind of accidentally just tune back in at the perfect moment. Man, nothing quite like it. It's like, oh, wow, yeah. I just made it in time for this. Exactly. Yeah, that's I, – I mean, that's the beauty of technology now. You can have multiple screens on, and you can just dip back in whenever you're ready. And fortunately, I, w- I came back in at the exact time I needed to to see some That's a clutch some moment for a clutch moment. Exactly. All right, let's move on to overrated. I am going to go ahead and give my first overrated player. That's Carl Anthony Towns. Ooh. Yeah. See, the thing about Towns is I don't think he's progressing like most superstars usually do. Like you think you got got a guy coming in the league, wet behind the ears, and then it kind of just clicks, and then he becomes that superstar we knew he was going to be. Um, I feel like he's only slightly better than when he came into the league and he's not a great leader. Um, and in the spicy Jimmy Butler controversy, I kind of sided with Jimmy and that was a lot of the reasons why, because Towns isn't that guy yet. Um, they actually really do need Jimmy Butler. Um, and I hate using the term soft, but it kind of fits for, for Cat. Um, I just want to see more killer instinct in him, more cutthroat savagery. And I think he could be the guy that 
we think he should be. But he just has the it, it just has to click basically, and I'm just waiting for it. You know, um, I'm gonna start this by saying that that was my original overrated pick, Carl Anthony Towns. We'll see, but I gave him a little bit of a nod because if nothing else, um, Andrew Wiggins is drastically underperformed as a fellow potential some level of star next to him. Um, he did kind of, more so than Andrew Wiggins, um, contribute to the period of time when the Timberwolves were good while they had Jimmy Butler up until Jimmy Butler's injury, which kind of started the entire landslide for this team. And it's hard to show much improvement when you have almost consistently from the jump put up impressive performances. You know, he's been almost a career consistent 2010 type player, especially putting up not just your basic 2010, but like 22-12s, 24-12, 25-12. You know, his rookie season was the only one he averaged less than 20, but he was still giving you those 10 plus boards. So I think we're seeing some progression. That's fair. But, you know, his supporting cast isn't as supportive as he would like it to be. The numbers are there, but the winning isn't. And that's what makes us kind of look at him like he's underperforming. But we know basketball is a team game at the end of the day. But I was definitely feeling you because I looked at Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, okay, that's a very I saw the name and I, I felt it for a second. I was like, you underperforming, cat," And I was like, are you? But if he if they, they struggle more next year and don't show any improvement whatsoever, continue to struggle outside the playoffs, then, yeah, we can fully ride the whole overrated and you're just kind of an impressive talent, an impressive talent with uh, big stats on a mediocre team. So who's your overrated? Who's your yeah? Who's your overrated? Okay, um, my overrated is going to go to, and this is because he's stepping into the realm where he is kind of becoming that player, Kimba Walker. I know everybody loves him, some Kimba Walker, and he gets his buckets and he looks good doing it, but he's honestly almost my least favorite type of NBA player, which is a volume ISO player that can't quite do it when it really, really, really counts. Um, And yeah, like I say, he puts up the numbers. He looks good doing it. He balls out. Human highlight reel with the crossovers and the super special layup package. But at what point are we going to start winning some playoff games, Kimba? I'm really sad that you're going at my boy Cardiac Kimba like that. But everything you said makes total sense, so I'll let it kind of just exist how it is. And I will give you my second overrated player, and I think you already know who I'm going to say. But I'm just going to go ahead and give give it, uh, put it out there in the in the world just one more time. Russell Westbrook. 
He is overrated. He has all the talent in the world. We've seen it time and time again. When players um, have a great mind for the game, but don't have the physical you know, capabilities to pull off what they want to do. That's not Russell's issue. It's the other way around. I think there's a missing link mentally. He has the ability, but there are so many times where I question his IQ. There's He goes like 100 miles an hour through a brick wall to beat down his opponent, and that's not always necessary. Like I did see him, like to his credit, I saw him turn the corner this year deferring to Paul George, who is a better option to run an offense through. But can we start the discussion that the Thunder haven't made it out of the first round any of the years that he's averaged a triple-double? I just want to put that in the atmosphere and let it, let it marinate a little bit and let me know what you think. That's a tough cookie to crack on that one because, for starters, if we take a look at this history, so the first season he averaged a triple-double was a season without Kevin Durant. Well, they were a low-entry playoff team, and if I do remember correctly, that was the year that they had the number seven seed and played a extremely hot Houston team that was coming into its hottest of hots at a point where there was a question of, are they better than Golden State? And they were just the worst team in that matchup. Second year, the year they got Paul Pierce. I mean, not Paul Pierce. Paul George, I'm sorry. Um, showed some improvement. But I believe that year, Paul George had a little injury trouble, if I remember correctly. They lost some footing in the standings and caught... Uh, Golden State in the first round? No? Who did they catch first round last year? No. Wasn't it like uh, Utah? Yeah, yeah, it was. Donovan Mitchell kind of torched him in that one. There's no excuse for that one. They just, that was Russell Westbrook being overly emotional talking about that was going to end because Ricky Rubio was out there giving him buckets. That one, I'll credit you. And this one was just, I won't say a poor matchup for them, but Portland matches up very well against um, OKC, which leads me to my under, I mean, my overrated player. Um, And I hate to say it because I like him as a player, but, you know, he's starting to enter that realm where, you should have stepped up here and you didn't, and that's one Steven Adams. I think with Yusuf Nurkic out during that series, he had a huge opportunity to kind of take it to Cantor and show them, especially considering that that was a former OKC big that started along with them, that they decided to keep the right center for the team. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he showed up the way he could have and should mm-hmm. have to help that team out during the series. Yeah, that's all very fair. Um, I didn't even think about kind of like second tier starters as for my overrated consideration, but yeah, um, that fits. I 
go back and forth about Steven Adams, whether I like him or not. At this point right now, I like him. Uh, but that can change very quickly. And your your um, labeling him overrated definitely puts it into question for me. And I'll have to investigate that a little bit further. So that's great. Great work. So to recap, our underrated players are I don't I was saying I don't like to end on low notes, so I have one more uh, sneak in at the end underrated player. And I'm gonna go with Donovan Mitchell. I'm just gonna slip that in okay. right there, you know, because outside of Joel Embiid, who was a highly touted talent coming into the NBA in the first place, whose only real questions were injury related, which have not shown to be the worst questions, but his talent is so far outshining his injury. Um, Donovan Mitchell outside of Joel Embiid is probably the best young player in the NBA right now. I'm taking Giannis out of that book because he's officially stepping into veteran territory at this point. But um, I think Donovan Mitchell, you know, is going to – what you don't call you don't consider Giannis a vet yet? Um, that's not what I was uh, making it sound to. It was more of just Donovan Mitchell in general. Um, I actually think he's overrated, but I won't go into it and let you cook on his underratedness. All right. Well, uh, all right. Let's start with. Um... The leaving of one Gordon Hayward in free agency. The engine leader and best player for a Utah Jazz team that was prepared to become a really good, really young playoff team in the West. And of course, you lose your best player. You have a down season. Uh, You don't think you're going to have an immediate comeback. You draft a player in Donovan Mitchell who was not a huge name in the draft in the first place, uh, not one of the more highly touted prospects coming out of college. And what does he do besides put on rookie of the year as performance and reinvigorate playoff hopes in Utah, being very impressive in an OKC series that we mentioned earlier, leading them to that success and having continued to lead them to success thus far, even making themselves partially, and eh, not quite partially, competitive against that Houston team throughout that series that they were just outmatched against. All your points stand, and I will let them stand. Like you said, you don't want to go out on a bad note. So Donovan Mitchell, underrated. Also underrated, Damian Lillard, Lou Williams, and wait, don't remind me of yours. Your other one. Oh, God. Blake Griffin. And then overrated, we got Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, Russell Westbrook, and um, Kevin Walker. So that is our overrated, underrated for the NBA this season. And so. We will take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk some NBA playoffs.
and we're back. Thanks for sending through that ad. Probably, probably an anchor ad. I don't know why I'm even commenting on it right now, but we're back, and we're gonna talk about the NBA playoffs. Um, so, Kenny, have you been watching it consistently? Kind of ducking in and out. What's going on? I've caught the second half of the first round pretty consistently. Uh, first week, I wasn't able to be as into it as I wanted to, but since then, I've kind of caught a bit more action, been able to more consistently keep up with the highlights, a uh, little sports interaction, an actual live game every now and again if I happen to be off. Um, and as we do this welcome back, it's ironic that the two teams – of four teams, two series, still being competitive, are headlined by teams essentially coming back. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. Um, we can get into that in just a second. So for me, I have at least seen one game from every series that has already happened. Um, I'm trying to watch at least one game every night um, as much as I can. And then, you know, also watching highlights. What I thought was really interesting is that the East is already done, which definitely lends to the idea that I still think it's a JV league because the top is crushing the bottom. I mean, but... The middle was a wash for the West, but the top two seeds are struggling. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's, it's a, it means that even though there is, there's clearly more talent in the West. And even at one to eight, there's still, it's still competitive regardless of the seeding, is what I'm saying. Like, in the East, it's like, all right, chalk it up, let's go, let's move on. Most in most of the cases, we we, we actually we can. Agree I mean, I mean, it was disagree, it was completely but... chalk. Yeah, it's it's completely chalk in the in the um in the East, and it was you know what we had two game two five two five game series. Well, both both of the sweeps first and foremost. Um, Two star players were out slash injured. Blake Griffin was out for the majority of the Detroit game, a Detroit series, and even when he came back, wasn't 100% very clearly. Um, Indiana did not have Victor Oladipo, and I believe most of those games in that series, even though it was a sweep, were close games. Um, Brooklyn was just no match for Philadelphia because – Philadelphia is only a third-ranked team because they got their full team in the second half of the season. And Orlando, yeah, they're a wash. They had no chance against Toronto. Yeah, I mean, it's it really doesn't matter at this point. Though The series are over. We still have Golden State fighting for their lives. We have the San Antonio series heating up. I think, like I said in our previous pod, I'm pretty sure I picked San Antonio to beat Denver. I don't remember exactly, but it's not. it wasn't outrageous then, and it's not outrageous now. 
San Antonio is a good team coached by a really good coach. So why not? And then I could see them also beating Portland and making it to the conference finals. So who knows what's going to happen over there. And then Golden State. I mean, Golden State's going to close out L.A. eventually. They just have to get it together and, you know, close it out. And then they're going to have a, a, a tough series against the Rockets, I would say. Denver-San Antonio is a struggle for me to really figure out because my gut is saying take Greg Popovich coach team with LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan over some fairly young, mildly inexperienced guys over in Denver. But it looks like after they got down, they kind of flipped that switch that said, you know, this ain't the regular season no more. We got to hit the next level. And they have hit it in what could be a timely fashion if they let this momentum carry out at home. Uh, I think having home court advantage will be huge, being that high above sea level. And I think they're going to go ahead and pull it out and advance and survive. And if they can do that, um, Portland might have some problems because that'll be a huge confidence boost for Denver to be this close to losing and be able to pull it out. As far as Golden State goes, I'm going to have an unpopular opinion here. Not about this round. They're going to win this one. They'll probably splash the Clippers by about 35 in the next game. I think after being so upset with themselves for how they handled this series, because I think they were looking ahead to Houston too much, I could see them routing Houston. Like just running them off the court. Yeah. Who knows, really, man? Um, it's so hard to judge with Golden State because they're so dynamic. Like, they can just – they can beat you by 50 or they could lose by five. Who knows? And you hate but the 55-point I mean, swing, huh? As an opposing yeah. team? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's It's – I feel like we shouldn't really even be talking about Golden State because they're clearly the better team against anybody in the West. And then I think let's let's jump over to the East really quick. I think Boston might upset Milwaukee. And then in the Philly Toronto matchup, who knows? I mean, either team could win. I don't think either team is going to win the conference finals. I hope that Toronto wins so that I can stop being dragged for picking them last year to be good. <laughs> I would appreciate if they actually retroactively validated what I was had been saying for the past 18 months. You know, you, you didn't have your contacts in. DeMar DeRozan looked a lot like Kawhi Leonard. You thought the trade had already happened. Yeah, we can go with all of that, uh, but I still need them to pull it together. I'm still make something. I'm still strongly certain that Golden State is coming out of the West, but I don't think I've ever been this indecisive on who's going to come out of the East. Because while I think that Milwaukee is actually going to take Boston out in about five games, um, I could see Philly, Toronto being a really tough six to seven game series. At the same time. There's no telling what might happen with these four teams, and that makes us all so extremely exciting. 
you think? So? Yeah, I mean, this second round is going to be great. Um, I will be tuned in to probably every game. Um, I just got to figure out how to watch the games on TNT mobily on mobile, like while I'm mobile. Reddit, brother. It has the I answers. I like using Reddit on my phone. I feel I feel dirty using like Reddit on my phone for some reason. Like I'm gonna get a virus or something. I don't know. It's just a weird. It's one of those weird things like that doesn't have any kind of like factual base, but you still feel very strongly about it. You sound like old people, Alex. You're too young for this. Use your internet. You know I'm an old. You know I'm an old man at heart, and at mind. Got to use that internet, man. Especially if you want to watch it mobile. Otherwise, just I don't tune into the ESPN app for the play-by-play. Go with the yeah. good old-fashioned GameCast. Oh God, makes me feel like I'm back in 2008. But yeah, so we'll be anxiously waiting for that uh, second round. You know when it starts? Um, to be determined. Does Golden State let uh, Clippers push them to seven games? No. Hey, you never know. No. If they are letting Patrick Beverly uh, get 12 rebounds. Let's see. Game six is Friday on ESPN. And then game seven would be on Tuesday or Monday. No, Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. Okay. And then second so the first round, round starts on Tuesday? Wednesday, oh. probably. They probably give them two day, everybody two days rest and then start Wednesday. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how it all works. I'm not in the NBA scheduling office. Although if you want but us we'll... in that NBA scheduling office, we would be more than happy to make that happen. Is that really even a life though? Like, I guess I'm. I mean, I'm not turning down a check from the NBA. I guess so. Yes, you're right, Kenny. I will work in the scheduling office. Also, if you are in the office of NBA scheduling, there are tons of people who want to know how that works. Holla at us. You don't know how it works. I mean, not precisely. Like, what goes into the methodology of creating an entire 82-game season for 30 teams. Well, I mean, it. you have to – the venues submit the the blacked-out dates for other stuff. Right. And then, you, and then you have – and then they kind of work backwards, like all their marquee, ga- or their marquee days, like opening day, Christmas, Martin Luther King Day, and they want to set those up. For the marquee matchups, and then they kind of work through it from there. And basically, it's just a computer now, I'm assuming. And then the, they just clean it up manually. Like, if you had, like, the computer might say, you know, Lakers, Clippers, back to back nights, they'll clean it up and be like, all right, Lakers, Clippers one night, and then Sacramento, Clippers, and then Sacramento, Lakers, you know, something like that. But. I think it's all mostly computer and just the venue saying, hey, we cannot host a game on these dates. Yeah, I think there are people involved. 
if you say so. I mean, yeah, but let us know if you work in the NBA office and you listen to this podcast. Thank you. And we would love some tickets. Just saying. Okay. Uh, let us move on to the NFL draft. So, first round's done. First pick went to Kyler Murray, as most people suggested. I still think that's a mistake, but we will move on from that. What else did you see in the first round, Kenny, that caught your interest? Okay, so we're going to talk about the one that everybody is going to wipe their nose with. And I'm going to get a little sneeze on that, too. What in the NFL non-brain trust... Were the New York Giants thinking? I there's <laughs> you seem very vexed. I honestly shouldn't be this upset because they're division rivals, so them making poor decisions works out better for the Eagles. But I'm I'm frustrated for football because they didn't do it. Like they I don't nothing about taking Daniel Jones right there makes any sense to me whatsoever, Alex. None whatsoever. It's like Does he have <laughs> You're very uh He's got to have keep some going, dirt on going. him. This is funny. He, like, does he have dirt on him? Who's? Daniel Jones, the quarterback from Duke, has dirt on the He's got guy. it on somebody. That's the only way you get taken with the six-round pick. I mean, sixth pick of the NFL draft when realistically you are a late second, early third-round draft talent. Like, I don't – <laughs> Every time you pause, it makes me laugh. <laughs> it's so frustrating. And that's like... Yeah, I hear you. Like, I can't even enjoy how poor of a decision that is as an Eagles fan because of how poor of a decision it is. Yeah. Like, you don't... You don't take, you know, one of these immensely talented defensive players on a defense that has a number of holes. You don't take the higher potential, higher floor, higher rank quarterbacks. You don't trade the pick away for more picks because your team as a whole has holds in it that need to be fixed. You take the shot in the dark quarterback from the not football school that probably wasn't even the best quarterback in his division that literally just has connections to your current quarterback. Like, I don't... 
did you even really need to draft quarterback if you were going to take Daniel Jones? Like, you could have not drafted quarterback and that been a better decision than taking Daniel Jones at sixth. Like, they could have traded all their draft picks in this year's draft, and that probably would not have made people as confused as taking Daniel Jones. Uh, well, they did it. This is the Grizzlies taking thought, Hashim to uh, beat second. That's what this is. That's very, that's very on the nose, spot on, great analysis right there. That's, yes, that is exactly correct. I thought, um, besides the Daniel Jones thing, I thought the Lions taking Hawkinson um, at eight overall was a reach. I feel like a tight end in the top 10, he better be. He better be the next coming of Gronk. Well, I mean, that that is and what then, he gets a number of comparisons on because he's not just a vertical threat. Yeah, I yeah. I think he's a pretty good – Yeah, I, I mean, I know I know he gets those, but I'm saying he better come out the gates like gangbusters. And then how impressive is it that two tight ends from the same team get drafted in the first round? Very impressive. Listen, that was definitely a big takeaway. I think the I think the Broncos I think the Broncos got a good value at Fant at twenty. Um, I think the steal of the of the first round is the Ravens getting Marquise Brown at twenty five. I think him and Lamar Jackson are going to link up. Immediately, and it's going to be great. I think you got a lot of chances at reverses, reverse options, trip reverses. You get to throw a lot of trickery in your playbook now, having those two guys. Um, my moment of the draft was definitely uh, Christian Wilkins getting introduced. Uh, that was big time moment. Words don't describe it. If you didn't see it, you got to catch it, Alex. I don't think there will ever be – well, I won't say that, but there has never been a draft moment quite like that one. I'll check it out then. Yeah, I didn't get to watch the draft. I was uh, on my way home from work, and then when I got home from work, by the time I was done eating and decompressing, it was pretty much over, so I kind of just passed on it. So I think Dwayne Haskins was a great steal for the Redskins because yeah. they got a couple of Venus fly traps up there. I think the Redskins won. Yeah, I think the Redskins won the uh, first round getting Haskins and uh and Sweat. I think those two will def- will turn their team around. Just those two players can turn those team their team around. Um, two dynamic players on either side of the ball. But Sweat's got to stay out of trouble. He's got some history of trouble. And if the NFL has shown us nothing else, it's that history tends to repeat itself. Like the Patriots winning championships and like players doing stupid stuff when they do stupid stuff before. You know, you are very on point today, Kenny, with your your poignant 
observations. I am very proud of you. On point like a number two. Okay, then you're just gonna ruin it with with nonsense. So we're we're gonna stop it here and take a break. And when we come back, we will be talking Game of Thrones. So stay tuned. like our next topic yes our next topic is game of thrones the long awaited final season right um yeah i i can't believe i've been waiting with this for this for so long like i i watched the last season live and so i've been waiting over a year more than uh, 10 years in the making. Exactly. So, all right. So, Kenny, what did you think about the first couple of episodes? I was highly impressed. Because I felt like last season they didn't, um, I feel like they didn't quite disperse the attention put into episodes well enough. I think there was a little too much time, attention, and effort put into the uh, last couple of episodes of the season, kind of on the back half with uh, a lot of work put in, a lot of scenes that I don't necessarily want to spoil. But I feel like that was a more stronger concentration. And the front half of the season kind of suffered from it. Um, I think with so few episodes this season, they were able to put a lot more care into each episode. And you can tell that in the first two episodes, with just the heightened attention to detail, um, the focus on the uh, interactions between characters, not only through dialogue, but action as well. Um, And it just seems like there's a lot more put into it to start off with. So I'm very happy with what's happened so far. Yeah. So, okay. So So here's the thing. Um, episode one, I felt was way too slow. Like, I feel like nothing happened, but some things did happen anyway, but I just felt like they felt meaningless to me because of the, the drama wasn't really there. And then episode two came around and they brought it. It was, it was good. I was locked in. I, I'm on the edge of my seat for episode three and that's going to be the start of the 80 minute ones, right? Yep. Yeah, so that's gonna be eighty minutes. Like that's gonna be so wild. Um, there's yeah, there's still so many questions we need to answer. So many memes that are so good. The internet is so quick with these memes. I can't. 
I wish I had the mind to think of this kind of stuff so I could be Twitter famous too. Man, nothing is faster nowadays than the internet, guaranteed. Yeah, exactly. Um, I haven't heard who you think is going to be on the throne at the end of it. I I did a pod with uh, with another um, with another podcast in our community, and I kind of outlined my uh, my theories. Um, so I I'll actually share them on this pod now. After you go ahead and let me know what yours are. All right. So there's a long series of theories that exist in the complex mind of Kenny Hanzo, but one reigns above them all one sits on the iron throne that is kenny's theories and uh have a seat kitties hold on tight buckle your seat belts i hope your brain is strapped in because everybody dies game of thrones ends as brutally and realistically as it has been for the entirety of this show. That has always one of been one of Game of Thrones' biggest uh, kicks and draws. They don't, while it's a fantasy anime, they don't play too much on the fantasy endings. It is not romanticized at all. Good guys die. Bad guys can reign supreme. Bad guys can die. Good guys can look like they got something good going. Turn out to be bad guys. Anything goes. If somebody is probably going to die, they're probably going to die. We've got a bunch of people facing an immortal army, essentially, that feeds on dead people. So what does an army of the living dead want more than war? Which is exactly what they're about to have. They're literally replenishing their army every time somebody gets killed. There's no other way for this to end except everybody dies. Hmm. And they've got an ice dragon now. An undead ice dragon. It's over. Like, as much as there's all the love for all the great things happening right now, there are entirely too many people that are entirely too happy in this moment. As a matter of fact, it almost seems like everybody's happy. You know what happens in Game of Thrones when people get happy? They die. So when everybody's happy, I can only assume that the Night King, the White Walkers, the Whites, the Army of the Undead, it's over. There's no stopping that. They're going to roll through Winterfell, roll into King's Landing, take out everything. It's done. Okay. Um, really quickly, in about 35 seconds, let's unpack how you would feel if everybody died. I would be slightly sad, but pettily enough, I would feel great because I called it. And I don't think I've <laughs> okay. heard too many other people's call that. Um, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a theory that's out there. That's not unheard of. It's, it's not, I would say, of. I would it's say it's not probably, very popular. Honestly, I would say it's either the third or fourth most popular theory. True, but that's kind of like whoever's like third or fourth in MVP voting right now, they might get one or two votes. 
also true. Okay, so my theory. Um, I think that the the White Walkers and the Night King and all that will be defeated. And in the end, the Seven Kingdoms will be split up. You can kind of see the writing on the wall, whereas you have characters who have ties to former kings. And I think all of those characters will get a piece. So not to... So I can't really go into exactly who has what because of spoilers. Um, I'm a strict no-spoiler type of guy. So that's all I'll leave it to. I mean, if you want to jump in my DMs so and we can we can discuss it further, if you already are privy to all that information, come at me. I got I have a very thorough, thoroughly outlined map of where who would have what in Westeros, but Ultimately, I think the the seven kingdoms will be split apart and live, and each kingdom will live on its own. So the north will be for the north, the south will be for the south, east, west. All of the seven kingdoms split up and left to their own devices, and then there will actually be peace. See, I just feel like that's way too happy of an ending. Like you, yes. you beat the you beat the army of the night and everybody just kind of happily goes their own separate ways and agrees not to mess with each other anymore. Oh no, there will be there's gonna be lots of blood. Like some people are gonna die, and I also have theories on that as well. If you want to catch that um, the podcast that I I talked about that in detail, you can or you know hit me up personally. I'm always happy to talk thrones. But, I mean, I can't outline it on this podcast because we haven't really gone into it before. So anyone who hasn't seen it that wants to or anyone who's trying to catch up, I'm not going to spoil it for them. All right. With that being said, Alex, anything else in your bag as we pack up and get ready to head on out? Um, Anything in my bag? Oh, yes. I am currently watching uh a, a, not a new show but a show new to me called blind spot on i think it's nbc um about a fb like it's centered around at the fbi they find this woman in a bag in times square no memory at all of her life in any way not even her name nothing covered from chin to toe in tattoos I remember and that show when it came out. Yeah, yeah, all those tattoos are clues to current um, crimes being committed, and they have to decipher all the tattoos and figure out how to stop these bad guys. I'm currently in the middle of season one, and at first I was very skeptical. I was watching it, I was like, this seems kind of stupid. And then they had one very specific episode where they had to fight their way out of a city, at, well, not a city, a town, and they got me hooked after that. So I am deep in it. I will probably start watching this right after we're done recording. Blind Spot. Shout out to my friend Sierra that put me on. Good show. I recommend it. Um, six out of ten recommend right now. Could be more later on. Could be less. Who knows? That's what's in my bag, though, Kenny. What's in your bag? What's in my bag is... A moment 
of memory for a major piece of NBA history today that was lost. Um, just a moment for NBA Hall of Famer, Boston Celtics great John Havlicek. Um, words can't describe what we've lost. Uh, so I won't try to make them. Just going to end this one on a moment of silence. All right. Well, we will once again thank you for tuning in to the In My Bag podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Podbean. If you want to earn money while listening to podcasts, check us out on Podbean. And we're also on Instagram and Twitter, at Pod. Hit us up. Let us know you're listening. Maybe we'll send you a free t-shirt. Who knows? Also, check out our t-shirts, our hoodies, long sleeve tees on teespring.com all of this will be in the show notes um anything else you can think of kenny um shout out to young patrick mahomes on making the cover of madden 20 um that's about all i got i might actually get this next madden probably not because I'm too, I always forget to buy a new PS4 when I have the money to do it. Mm. See, that'll get you. This might be the first year yeah. I get Madden and 2K while they're new. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I didn't play. I haven't played 2K in the last couple of years. Not necessarily. So I'm, I'm, worth out of, it. I'm out of the loop. Yeah, I feel like I'm out of the loop. I don't feel like my skills would translate to these this 2K now. But back in back from 2009 to 2015, son, you saw my skills. Uh, Slightly above average. It's not too far away. They're just mostly recycling stuff from some older 2Ks that make people that are adjusted to newer 2Ks a little uncomfortable. Yeah, I can. I hear when I when I spend some time with my nephew, I I can see his frustration with two K, and it hasn't changed. The animations are still wild. The some of the the skills that they give people are outrageous. So I mean, what can you do really? But like I said, thanks again for listening to the In My Bag podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care. And more tune for your head top, so watch how you speak on my name, you know?